Used bed. Submitted by Henry. When I was about ten years old, my family had moved into a new house. I remember noticing doors would open and close on their own. Lights would turn on and off whenever I turned them off. Skip forward about two years. One night, I woke up with a strange feeling. It was a feeling like somebody was watching me. There, at the end of my bed, I see a black figure. It looked about five feet tall. I was scared to death. In the morning, I told my mom what I saw and just asked her what it might have been. She told me that a 50-year-old man died in that bed from a stroke. I'm 23 years old now, and I still think about it to this day. Oh man, that sucks. <laughs> a 23-year-old man. Wait, a 23-year-old man? Well, it happened when he was oh. 10. Oh, it's been 13 years. Okay, but get rid of that bed already, jeez oh, Louise! Yeah, yeah. Does he still have the bed? Yeah. I don't think he still has the bed. No, but like, why? Like, if somebody dies in a bed, get rid of it. Yeah. Like, that's that's the rules of the bed. I mean, like, if I, someone died on a bed and then I... Welcome to the True Scary Stories with Edie podcast. This is the podcast for two stand-up comedians. Read scary stories submitted to us by our fans, the Uglies. What's up? And we do commentary after each story. So if you're not into that, you should check out Just the Terror, which is our other podcast. comes out on Sundays. All the terror, none of the talk. Um, so, yeah. Uh, this story was submitted to us through the Facebook group, and if you want to submit your story like Henry did, you can do it on our Facebook group at True Scary Stories with Edie, on our Instagram at True Scary Stories with Edie, or even on the website at True Scary Stories with Edie. Yeah, in either way is perfectly fine. I saw somebody ask, like, what's the best way to send it? Whatever is the best way for you to send it to us. Yeah, whatever's convenient for you, so don't worry about that. Uh, like I was saying, a bed, you need to get rid of a bed. And when somebody dies in it, the rules of the bed are you get rid of the bed. I don't want to, I don't want to ever sleep in a bed somebody died in. Uh, that sounds like a true nightmare. I'd honestly, we would be angry at somebody if they ma had me sleep in a bed and later told me that someone died in it. I'd actually be mad. Like why? This, I, I'd rather sleep on the floor. This sounds like such a, it could be part of any sitcom storyline where they're like, yeah, so-and-so died in a bed. Oh, but it's brand new, right? It's Tempur-Pedic. Those are like $5,000. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Does, it does seem like a Seinfeld yeah. issue. It definitely is a it's a it's a uh, a privileged issue. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I'll just buy it off of you for less. How about that? Yeah, it's very much. It's a that. it's a very first world problem for sure. Um, but yeah, I'd be a little angry. Like, yo, don't don't do that. Like, at least give me the choice. Like, hey, somebody died in this bed. Would you rather sleep on the couch? Yeah. Or whatever. And then they'd be like, yeah, nobody died on the couch. Uh, no no humans, just animals. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, this is something that um, a parent would do to their kid. Like, he's 10, so what? <laughs> right. But he's going to pee the bed anyway, so. <laughs> he's like, yeah, they're going to pee the bed anyway. Plus, uh, the bed has pee on it already. So, I mean, when the guy died, he peed himself. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd be mad. But that's just me. You know? Well, Henry, I hope you have a new bed by now. Henry is the name of my uh, least favorite nephew. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we don't even call him Henry. We call him Stinky Butts. So you're the first Henry that I've ever met uh, that doesn't have a Stinky Butts. Or maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> if stinky Butts is listening to this. What's up, Stinky Butts? All right, let's keep going. This next story is called Breaking This Sleep Habit. And it's submitted to us through the Facebook group by our ugly Natasha. Hey, uglies. I have a sleep paralysis question slash story. Lately, since my boyfriend started his job two weeks ago, I've been waking up feeling a little bit scared. I've gotten used to seeing him in the mornings, especially since the pandemic started. 
We've been each other's major support system, as there is a curfew where I'm living and we're not allowed to meet up with others. My boyfriend woke up this morning to go to work. I woke up to say goodbye, then I tried going back to sleep again. A few minutes into my sleep, I started feeling scared, but I ignored it. I started hearing a noise coming from the wall, then I feel like something jumped in my bed. At this point, I'm scared, but I'm still conscientious in my sleep. I know it has something to do with the sleep state my mind is in, so I ignore it. A minute or two later is when the sleep paralysis demon dream starts. I'm in my bedroom. I hear someone kicking the door of my apartment. I can't move. All of a sudden, this really tall woman with no face comes in with a pink suitcase. She walks over to me and gives me a piece of paper to hold in my hand. She tells me to be quiet and go back to sleep. She leaves my room. I hear her rummaging in the kitchen. I try to call or text my boyfriend, but for some reason, I can't seem to be able to use my phone. I try to move, but I can't. I'm still aware that this must be a dream, so I'm not entirely panicking. But I'm hoping that when this dream ends, there is no paper in my hand. I finally wake up. I clasp my hands together. No paper. I open the curtains, lie in bed for a little while, and just watch a YouTube video to entertain myself a little before fully waking up. I haven't had a sleep paralysis dream in a long time, and I don't want to have another one anytime soon. I'm guessing it has something to do with the change in my sleep pattern, my boyfriend not being there, and that when my boyfriend wakes up, he wakes me up too and interrupts my sleep cycle. I'm thinking the best way to prevent this is just wake up with him. He doesn't wake up that early, 7.30, so it's okay. Any other ideas or similar experiences? And maybe the fact that I was listening to this podcast to go back to sleep wasn't helping. It was the Glitch in the Matrix 2 episode. Be safe and have a great week. (laughs) Uglies! That that was a good interpretation of the... How she said uglies at the end. I yes. like that, Nick. All right. Well, you sound like you're a very, very sm- smart uh, lady because you got you got a lot of it down. Uh, I would say definitely the interruption of your sleep cycle by your boyfriend leaving uh, is going to have a, an effect on what stage of sleep you are in and the stage your body is in and the stage that your mind is in. That's going to affect whether or not you snore, whether or not you sleep talk, whether or not you have sleep paralysis dreams. So I think you're dead on. I think that that is affecting some of your sleep cycle. And that might be a definite way that your sleep paralysis has come back. It's also like sometimes people get sleep paralysis and they don't get it again for a very long time. So yeah. I, I wouldn't worry too much about this being like a, a, a something you have to, you know, go through again in the near future because it's probably not going to happen i mean i've had sleep paralysis and i haven't had it i would say four years since that uh episode so i i i think you'll be okay i just think it was just a one-time little fluke uh the paper is very weird what i wonder what was on the paper she handed you it said do you want me to possess you, circle yes or no, or maybe? Do you like me, circle, circle yes, yes or no? And also, if you don't do anything, that means yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, Natasha, I'd actually, I think we left some comments on her post telling her what to do. But it's basically the same thing. So this is for anybody that's listening. Yeah, sleep paralysis is very strange in the sense of, I, I can't tell you what triggers it. I'm guessing stress you know, uh, being in a deep sleep and then waking up. That's when it would happen to me, like waking up and then trying to go back to sleep. And all you got to do is, you know, like you said, either wake up and just start your day or uh, change the the room around you to where you feel safe when you go back to sleep. 
for me, it was just closing uh, the bedroom door. That was the big thing. Right. I can't have it. If a bedroom door was open, it would trigger my sleep paralysis. Mm. I guess maybe I was just paranoid of something walking in. And so then my mind just took that with me into uh, into my sleep. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that, I think that could help. And then also, like, it just may never happen again for a long time. This might just be... Yeah. With the change in all of our lives with uh, what's been going on, we've all gone through such drastic changes and stresses and uh, anti-socialness like that was unprecedented. So I just... I think you're okay, honestly. Let yeah. us know if it happens again. Uh, we'll come over. <laughs> yeah. We'll come over, you know. Uh, we will we'll sleep in between you and your boyfriend, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll take care of everything. Not me, because I don't wake up at 7.30 a.m. Yeah, that's really early. When she said, it's only 7.30 a.m., well, that's not early. I'm like, man, sometimes I don't even go to bed till 7.30 a.m. It's 11 p.m. right now, and we just started filming the podcast. Yeah. We're night people. Yeah, and she night. calls this filming. That's how that's how sleepy she is. I call it filming too. No, you that yeah, I said to you call, my parents and stuff like yeah, that. Right. Oh, wait. Okay, I just I said did. You did. Yeah. Oh, all right, let's get into it before I ruin more of this podcast. All right, today's topic is paranormal childhoods. Now, this is going to be about um, when, like, any kind of dragon-like ghost comes around or, like, anything that has to do with uh, candy. I'm just kidding. It's about paranormal childhoods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It speaks uh, for itself. Yeah, there's a few. There, Most of the stories are about something that happened to someone in their childhood. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this first story is called Saved by the Dark. When I was a child, I was scared of the dark. It was not uncommon in the middle of the night for me to wake up and hear whispers, as I would call them. I swore to my mother I heard voices at night. They were not evil, but they were not familiar, and they scared me. She figured the voices were just bumps in the night, just typical kid nightmare material. I tried often to explain to her that it was more than that. The voices sounded different from one another, the way people's voices do. On some nights, I would get so scared from these whispers that I would sleep in my mom's bed with her. It's an added bonus that the bathroom was directly outside of her bedroom door for my late-night tinkles. On one such night, around Christmas, I awoke and felt the need to relieve myself. As I walked out from the door, I distinctly heard the phrase, Look! To my astonishment, a red light, almost like a spotlight, was cast upon the wall at the very bottom of the stairs. The light had no other source. It was by itself, and I was transfixed by it. Being a little kid, and it only being a few days from Christmas, I knew what this light was. It was Santa. How else could he get into my house to know I was being a good boy? I was so excited, I began walking down the stairs to greet him. It began to creep off the wall and fade into the darkness in my living room. So I picked up my pace to catch Santa. That's when I heard a very strong masculine voice, different from the one that said, Look, it said, Stop. Right now. Go back up those stairs. I listened and turned around. After reaching the top of the stairs, I heard a very loud crash that sent me running back to my mother's bed. I jumped straight under the covers and stayed there the whole night. When we awoke the next morning, the poinsettia Christmas lights my mother had put on the railing down the stairs were pulled straight down to the bottom of the stairs, broken from what seemed like a forceful tear laying in a single pile. The dry sink in the living room had fallen from the wall. 
My mother could not explain it. My father was worried we had been victims of a home invasion. My sister was crying. There was nothing missing. Nothing had broken in. Of course, this just let, left everyone confused. Then I saw it. There, on the edge of the wooden dry sink which had been facing up, were three indentations where the finish on the wood had been worn, almost as if in a forceful grip. Something down there had grabbed it and threw it down. That was what the bang was. I was mortified. I kept quiet about it because I was so afraid that I could not force words out of my mouth. I don't like to imagine what was waiting downstairs for me that night. After this, I never heard another whisper again, which is sad because in some ways, I would like to have thanked the man that had stopped me from going down those stairs. It was Santa. <laughs> it was Santa himself. Santa was there to, to, to say, hey, don't do that. Go, hey, there's a demon down here. There's a demon. I was uh, down here fighting this demon for you. Come on. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, ho, 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 your life. Yeah. What do you think? The What do you think told him to stop? Was, do you think it was the demon itself? <laughs> uh, no, I think we've talked about what these situations might be. Remember we told that story about the uh, one of our uglies who would talk to a little boy and then the little there was a ghost man mm-hmm. that told him to hush. Maybe there was something in this house that was trying to go after the children mm-hmm. and there was just this guardian angel that was there just like, I'm going to wait you out. And then finally this was the night where it's like, you have to leave. And mm. that's why, okay, you're protected. This thing didn't come after you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I think it is. Is that there was some guardian angel that was protecting these children. And finally, like, I finished my mission. Mm. You know, the demon that, that wanted to get them or whatever wanted to get but them is gone. But in that story that you're referring to, that was a ghost. Yeah, we said child, ghosts. Not yeah. angel. Well, we don't know what it was. You know, we don't know if it was an angel, a ghost, a spirit, an entity. We don't know uh, exactly because the the reader didn't recognize them. So, you know, uh, that brings in the question, like, what could be watching over you? Could it be relatives that you never met from the past? Could it mm. be you, could it be an actual guardian angel? Could it be like what what does protect us? And uh, that's that's all this story brought up to me. It's like I I can't tell what this is but it's good that it saved uh him right well we've talked before too about like the hat man and how he kind of in our uh what we've hypothesized is that he is kind of a watcher of spirits he comes to kind of regulate you know kind of uh basically police all the other spirits take them out of places they're not supposed to be um kind of just maintain uh, some kind of uh, some kind of authority. Yeah. So maybe that is what this is. It's maybe like a hat man or something that's here to regulate these forces, like you were saying. And maybe we got like a hat man, or maybe we have a different ghost that was in the house that kind of is okay with these people. Like it's a ghost that used to that is just there, who lives there, and who's aware that they are a ghost. Yeah. Um. I don't know what authority a ghost has over like a demon or something really evil but um i'm gonna guess it it had to be you know some like a hat man something that polices these things not just a ghost yeah because i what what authority does a ghost have over a demon yeah you know and and maybe that's it maybe i mean i don't know the hierarchy of how it works but it just seems like if you were a ghost and you used to be a person 
you know, why, why, why would you have authority over a demon? I guess yeah. you don't. He, it didn't have authority over a demon. It, it told him to stay back. Yeah. So that's a com- never mind. That's a completely other thing. So maybe it was a ghost. Yeah. Because it's not actually, you know, fighting him. It's, it's just, it just gave him a warning. A warning. Go maybe, back. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it is a ghost. Maybe it's a past relative, or maybe it's a hat man trying to protect. Uh, keep the spiritual realms where they're supposed to be and keep all all of that stuff in check. Yeah, or it could have just been Santa. Or it could have been Santa. You know, all right. or- uh, <laughs> in the Marvel Universe, Santa is the strongest mutant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, good. I love it. All right, let's keep going. Tattletale. My older sister, Tina, passed away at five years old, a year before I came along. My mom is still super connected to her to this day, more than you could imagine. In my 20s, I started smoking. My mom is very anti-drugs, so I only smoked when she was away. If she'd go visit family or friends for a night out, I'd smoke. Well, one night, she cornered me in the kitchen. She told me that she had a dream about Tina. In the dream, Tina told her that I was smoking wacky tobacco. My mom wanted to ask me if it was true. I convinced her that it was just a weird dream and absolutely was not. We moved on. Three days later, my mom came bursting into my room at 4 a.m., shouting at me that I was lying to her. Tina had come back to her and told her I was lying about not smoking. I had to get up at work for, I had to get up for work at 5, so I got up, made tea because mom was very angry. I confessed it all. She went back to bed annoyed at me for making her doubt my sister. She was upset way more about that than the smoking. So, yeah, my dead sister rats me out to my parents. Dang! Man, that's what they do. That is what they do, let me tell you. Yes, yeah, I have a brother, and he still tells on people, like, what? yo, like, get a life, loser. Dang. He's always trying to copy me. Dang. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I just, I can't believe that she has such a connection with the kid that she lost that she can just talk to them. Like, it's no big deal. That's crazy. Yeah, it is very wild. I can't. I can't wrap my head around and that. that they, and that it's they gossip. That, yeah, and it's said that not everybody can do that. You know, everybody who's lost a kid yeah. can't have that connection still. That's yeah, crazy. I, yeah, you know, but I don't think that's that's for everybody. I don't think some people could handle that, you know, because some people can never get over it. So think about how terrible it would be to be able to still communicate with your child and you can't get over it. This mom at, at least has kind of moved on. Yeah. You know? Uh, I guess. Except for their uh, nightly chat sessions. See, I would have just thought she was crazy, and I'd have been like, man, this lady just never got over this, but then she did know, so it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess she knows. <laughs> Good for her. Uh, what's weird, too, is that the kid isn't, like... Does the kid age, you know? Like, That's what I was wondering, too. Like, I was like, is it still a five-year-old? Yeah, like, is it still a child, or are they like, oh, I'm, I'm dead now, so I'm, like, just all age yeah i i'm no longer a child anymore or what like how does that work but anyway yeah i guess i'll have to ask her (laughs) yeah i guess it it, the other side of the story would be what you know what are the mom's dreams like you know yeah does the kid actually come to you and like i guess not like when psychics talk about what they see what the spirit says it's usually like they show them pictures and stuff like that right so maybe it's just like that kind of thing. Like she just knows it's her daughter, but she doesn't actually 
speak with her, you know? Like, yeah, maybe. I don't, I mean, who, I mean knows? who knows what the connection is like? All right, let's keep going. Behind Mark's Place, written by Scary Stormy. How many of you have had an event from your past that you can't ever forget? Something that terrified you to the point of pure primal fear, but is so far-fetched and impossible that you begin questioning your mind's credibility. For me, that event happened 10 years ago in the woods of Somerset, Kentucky. I was about 15 when these events took place. I'm not going to lie, I consumed a lot of horror media growing up. I would stay up all night watching Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, even the last three movies. Yes, they sucked. Don't at me. My friends also loved horror movies. We also love investigation shows, Ghost Hunters, Destination Truths, Scariest Place on Earth, etc. We all wanted to grow up and explore the world, investigating all kinds of abandoned buildings, hiding unknown creatures or entities. I remember my friend Mark's dad was real big in a paranormal investigation and that kind of fueled the flames. Mark's dad had the works, EMF detectors, night vision cameras with thermal readings, high-end audio recorders, all of it. He also had several firearms, not like a crazy amount, but enough for personal protection and home defense. We all referred to Mark's dad as the Batman of ghost hunting because he was all, always seemed to have the right tool for every situation. He even had one of those magazines for his pistol loaded with silver bullets, just in case, he told us. He would take us out along a lot of his investigations to local cemeteries and places with a haunted reputation. We all felt like we were really doing it. Sorry for all the background information. I just want you all to understand the mindset we were all into to get us to make the stupid choices that we did. So, Mark's place was the place to be back then. We would spend days at his place hanging out, playing games, and watching TV to our heart's desire. One of the weekends we had the house to ourselves and it was great. It was Mark, Chuck, Danny, Brendan, and myself. We were trying to kill as much time as we could waiting for the night to fall. One of the most beautiful things about Somerset were the woods. Somerset did have a little center town where it faked a sense of being an actual city. But once you got out of the two miles worth of city, you all of a sudden dropped off the face of the world. Somerset is about 11 square miles large, and I guarantee you that most of that is woods. Some of it is Lake Cumberland, but most of it is woods. When we were at Mark's place, we were about 20 minutes from the next house. Finally, the night fell over. This was finally our time. Time to go explore the woods out behind Mark's house. We were all armed with our flashlights, water bottles, and all of us had knives at, of some capacity. Mark had also brought some of the guns, just in case. He had a 12-gauge pump shotgun. He maybe had six shells in the gun at best. Chuck had a 22 rifle that had a very wimpy single round capacity, and I had a 22 six shot revolver. Once we were all geared up, it was time for our adventure. As soon as we entered the woods, there was an uneasy tension in the air. The crickets and other wildlife in the area sounded active, which was a good sign. We weren't sure just yet as to what it was that made us feel off, but we would soon find out. About 15 minutes in, we found the bridge. This bridge was an old rickety wooden thing that went across a steep trench. We decided to take a quick break while we were there. We set up a small perimeter with a lantern from our pack. We even made a small campfire. Chuck, Danny, Mark, and Brendan were relaxing. I decided to keep watch. I was walking around the perimeter we had set up, shining my flashlight around the woods surrounding us. As I was walking, I noticed something strange. I heard the crunching of the leaves under my feet. And I'm sure someone would say, so what? But that's just what I heard. That's all I heard. 
Other than the few words here and there from my friends, I heard nothing else. The woods were dead silent. As soon as I noticed the silence, I drew the revolver from its holster. I continued to shine my flashlight around, trying to remain calm. But then the beam shined onto something just at the edge of the hill. Something just barely peeking over the edge of the trench. Something that I couldn't quite make out with just the light. But after a few moments of adjusting, I finally could make out what it was. The thing's white skin was reflecting the beam from the flashlight. I could make out a vaguely human-shaped head. Its dark eyes seemed to absorb the light, leaving the just soulless void staring daggers at me. I was frozen in place, locked in eye contact with this creature. Then its head disappeared back into the trench. As soon as I was released from its gaze, I turned back to my friends and tried as quietly as I could to get their attention, but they didn't seem to notice me. They were too enveloped in conversation. After mustering as much sound as I could, I called out, Hey! The crack of my voice echoed through the now silent woods. They all whipped their heads back to me, startled by the sudden sound. After a moment, I finally recollected myself and slowly but frantically pointed out to the trench where I saw the thing. There's something in the ditch. With that, the rest of my friends quickly got up and drew what weapons they had. All of us frantically searching the edge of the ditch with our guns trained on the spot. After a few moments of our desperate searching, we finally noticed the thing peek up again, about 10 feet closer than it had previously been. My friends now caught in the same trance as its void of eyes stared quickly, moving from one of us to the other. For a moment, it almost looked like it didn't have a mouth. Then we all saw its tongue come out of a small slit in its face, almost seeming to lick its lips at us. We all stood in that same frozen shock as the thing quickly dipped back down into the trench. It came back up again, ten feet closer. It was coming closer to us. I can't remember who yelled to run, but I remember all of us running like maniacs back towards Mark's house. So much for standing our ground. As we finally made it back to Mark's house, we all practically dived into the door, quickly locking the door behind us. We all kept our guns trained on the doors and exits. It had to have been hours that we all stood with our weapons in our hands, just hoping that the creature wouldn't try to enter the house. Once morning finally came, we're all exhausted. I don't think I was the first person to pass out, but I knew I was the last person to wake up. Everyone was sitting quietly in the living room. It took hours before we decided to talk about what happened. Danny and Brendan explained that as we were running, they could hear heavy steps running behind them. We couldn't rationalize what it was that we saw, so we all decided to not talk about it to anyone else. We also decided that we were never going out into the woods behind Mark's house again. Mom, what did Mark's dad say? That's I know. the real question. Mark's dad seems to like be challenging these things. <laughs> you know, like if you're gonna be a, a, a paranormal detective, <laughs> you're going to get some clients. You're right, and we all need Mark's dad around. Like, yeah. what, what happened to Mark's dad? What, like, did you he guys tell Mark's out. dad? See, they weren't supposed to do that without him. He's the Batman. They're just the kids. I know, but then what did he say? <laughs> yeah, I guess what did he say about it? it? Like that. Like that seems like it would have been something Mark's dad was interested in. Uh, knowing about. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Mark ever told his father. Yeah, of course, he. Mu- well, they said they never told anybody else, but it's like Mark's dad, though. You got to tell Batman. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at the beginning of the story, I was like, man, because I grew up in California and uh, in Sacramento, and we don't really have forests in our backyards in the city. Right? Yeah. And so I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, that sounds so fun to like just be able to grab your gun, hang out with your friends, you know, camp out just on, in back of someone's 
and someone's wood property. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's really cool. And then I was like, wait, this is a scary story. <laughs> and I was like feeling a little jealous at first. I was like, man, because we couldn't do that in Sacramento. You couldn't have a gun out. I mean, this is. And, you know, it's funny because, like, they had all the guns. So they were fully prepared for something to jump at them. Right. You know, like, they were like, I bet you the we're guns, ghost hunting, but we're going to shoot. I bet you the guns, especially since they're ghost hunting, um, besides, like, maybe bears or things that might be out in the woods. But I bet you the guns was just for security. Like, yeah. not even, like, if you see a ghost, you're not going to shoot it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I bet you it was just for their peace of mind. Uh, not to actually shoot anything. But yeah, yeah. luckily they had them because it sounds like what they ran into was like a Wendigo. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, right? Right? What yeah. do you think? Well, I mean, you know, I think they definitely ran into a cryptid. Now, here's the thing. Um, there's a part two. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Why am I still talking? All right, let's get to it. Part two. Hey guys, my friend Chuck sent me another story about the woods behind Mark's place. Here's his story. It was a cold night in the dead of fall. We had gone over to Mark's house as we typically would, me, Brendan, and our friend Sean. We were going the normal gaming until dawn routine, hyped up on Red Bulls and whatever snacks we could harvest from the pantry. Somewhere in between the hours, long sessions of So Calibur, I heard my phone go off from across the room. The faint buzz slightly catching my attention, just enough to snap me out of the game. I read a text that I would regret. See, I had quite a few family issues then. While I was away for the night, I received notice that something had happened and that I would be moving again. Custody battles are quite rough, especially at the age where you feel like you're an adult, but still have so much to learn. I immediately was put in a very bad mood. I was trying to get back into the game, but with so much going on inside my head, I knew I needed to get some fresh air. Being an angsty little emo middle schooler, I had no qualms with being outside alone, no matter how dark it was. In some ways, it was comforting. I began to stand there, taking in the brisk night air. I decided at that moment I was done with my family. They never understood me anyway. It would be better if I just disappeared. Stepping back inside to get my shoes, I saw Brendan and Sean waiting for me to return. I informed them that I would be leaving. I didn't know where I was going and didn't really care either. I planned to walk somewhere far, far away. Checking the clock before I slid back out, I noticed that it was half past midnight. I took to the gravel driveway, driveway, heading to the main road on foot. As I stepped off the front porch, I could hear my friends shouting for Mark as they were shuffling to get their shoes on to pursue me. I quickened my pace. I didn't want to be convinced to stay. Mark had something on the stove and had to shut off the burner, informing his sisters to watch it and that he'd be right back. I had made some decent space between myself, Brandon, Sean, Mark even further behind and I was making my way down the dark, winding road when I had come to one of the only three streetlights for miles. Nestled right in a large bend, bend in the road, I heard a rustling in the bushes. Assuming it was a deer, as many of them tend to roam the roads freely at night, I tried not to pay it any attention. That's when I saw it. Two arms reached out and pulled their way into my view. It was Mark. He had somehow been the first one to catch up to me. Confused, I said, Mark, how'd you get here so fast? That's when I realized he wasn't wearing his glasses. His face, however, looked like he had been cut up by some briars. He had bruises all along his arms. I called out to him, asking him if he was okay. He just looked at me, squinting. He spoke to me. The voice came out, and it sounded like Mark, but also like another person was speaking right at the same time. He had a wheeze every few words. 
This is when my blood ran cold. He said to me, Chuck, I need your help. Come quick, slow and groaning. I was so put off I could hardly comprehend what it was that was going on. I was almost incapable of moving. Then I heard the thing say, just back here, I need to show you something. I had a hesitated, yeah, I'll be right there. I saw him begin to slink back into the bushes where he had emerged from. Just then I heard the flopping of sneakers against pavement and realized that my friends had caught up to me. But at that point I didn't care. In an instant it all clicked together. The bend in the road was illuminated because this was a very dangerous curve. You see, just beyond those bushes was a large drop off with no guardrail. And it leads to a pond that's a good 30 foot drop. And I knew that Mark couldn't have come that way. With every fiber of my being, I turned around and started screaming for my friends to run. They were confused but followed my command, and they turned to run as well. We sprinted back to Mark's house, running into Mark on the way. Upon reaching the front porch, I had so much weight lifted from my shoulders. My friends all gathering around me, asking what happened, what I saw. I told them. I saw Mark, but not really. Another Mark. None of them had been close enough to see the figure that had shaken me to my core. I did my best to explain what I'd seen, and to this day... I don't really know if any of them believed me. Maybe the light had tricked me. Maybe my emotional state caused me to imagine it all. After a few puffs of the inhaler I kept on me, I was able to breathe again. I'd given up any attempt at running away. I definitely did not want to see whatever that thing was again. We tried to settle back in and fired up a game of Gears of War 2 before deciding to finally go to bed in the living room. Around 3 a.m., everyone was asleep, but I was still wide awake, recounting the events and how bizarre it all seemed. I began thinking it might have all been a hallucination after all. That's when I began hearing the tapping at the back door. I pretended like I was asleep, but opened my eyes just enough to see a dark figure the same height as Mark, illuminated by the glow of the kitchen light. I saw him, head down, tapping the glass with one finger. I darted under the blanket, closed my eyes wishing it would stop. I don't remember how long it went. I don't remember falling asleep that night. When I finally woke up the next day, I had noticed. From the railing of his 10-foot-tall back porch, there was a path as though someone had walked through the pile of leaves. The trail led right up to Mark's back door. All right. What did Mark's dad say? <laughs> yeah, still nothing from Mark's dad. Mark's dad's been real silent. In fact, now I'm starting to suspect Mark's dad. <laughs> Maybe Mark's dad was like, oh, I'm going to scare these kids, man. Yeah? <laughs> I'm going to look like Mark. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. Genetically. Yeah. I mean, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, you look like Mark, so... Duh. <laughs> Um, okay, so what the heck do you, so this kind of makes me think that it wasn't a Wendigo. Or if it was a Wendigo, there was something else also living in the woods. Uh, it makes me think it was a cryptid, definitely. Yeah, duh, but like what one? I mean, you know, we all, it's Somerset, Kentucky. I mean, it's Kentucky, you know, so Wendigos are, you know, more uh, prevalent here in, in the in the United States just because of the... Uh, the Native what? American sense to it. <laughs> okay. You know, well, because Wendigos are more of a, I know. a Navajo thing. Of so, course. So, but what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm trying to get the location. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I mean, it has the telltale signs of either a, a skinwalker or a goat man. So, I don't know about the skinwalker thing. I mean, like, what do they do that? I mean, from what we've heard, that yes, they do. I mean, do. I know they shape shift, but like... I guess I just haven't really thought of them in the sense of 
stalking like one person, I guess. Well, we know I, that. I always thought of it more like wrong place, wrong time. Not like, hey, I'm looking for you, you know? But I yeah. guess just like people, probably each one is different. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I think it, it obviously didn't like chase them down in a violent way. It is known Right, that, but that's more of like a skinwalker thing to yeah. do is to chase and to be like not even uh, like trying to hide or anything, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it does have the routine of a skinwalker where it's trying to convince you to come into right. come even where though, I'm at. Even though it is shifting, sh like shape-shifting and um, like trying to mimic people, I don't think of it as a goat man just because of how weird and like um, kind of like a evil it's seeming to me. Yeah. Whereas like whenever we hear about a goat man, it's kind of like more like why is it doing this? Or just kind of random yeah, uh, more fun loving. <laughs> well, Goatmen love uh, groups and they love yeah, to yeah, yeah. hang it's, out. Goatman Goatman just strikes me more as like of a like little brother that you're like, ah, oh, man, he wants to hang out with us. Yeah, but this seems like definitely more um, sinister. Yeah, where it's like, come over here, come. Yeah, come yeah, to. yeah. And the come over here thing when there is no nowhere to come to, like maybe the the thing the thing thought he doesn't know there's a big drop right here. Like, try, yeah, because we have d read stories before about ghosts who tried to convince kids to kill themselves, like yeah. accidentally. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, yeah, I mean, we ha how often do you hear of a ghost or a demon actually killing somebody? It's more like they terrorize them. They freak them out and they drive them to killing themselves usually or but you don't really it's you don't really hear about it the other way. I feel like they don't have the power to actually kill you. So yeah. they try to convince you to do it. Or they try to trick you into doing it. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from this is that... Uh, Mark's dad was not there for us when we needed him. I think Mark's dad, because he has, you know, obviously been the guy that's... Like, we're going to go looking for ghost spirits and whatever. He's invited that world into his mm. children's world. You know, and uh, that that's a big problem where it's like, okay, you're actually... You're tempting them now. Because now they're like, oh, you know about us. Okay. So that's half the battle. Right, right, Knowing right. about us. Right, because you opened something. You opened uh, uh, us up to uh, be being kind of weakened towards them. Yeah. Mark's dad is kind of really bad. Mark's dad is kind of really bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Mark, can I come over okay. after school? After oh. school. Oh, okay. Right, okay. We can hang around, but some ghouls. With some ghouls. Hang with some ghouls. Oh, okay, okay. Did your dad bring his EVP kit? EVP kit. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> is he coming or is he gonna leave us with it? it, it, it? Leave, leave us with, with it. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess Mark Dad oh, uh, is not more. ever coming. He kind of dropped out of the picture, can't you see? Mark's dad is kind of really bad. He opened up us to some scare. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. So I, was on, I was on a yeah, roll, on though. A roll. Mark's dad is kind of really oh, bad. Oh, she's going for it. Uh, he left us here, and we kind of are in fear. Okay, all right. Mark's dad, where are you? We're just some kids, too. 
We are in over our heads, but that's just Mark's dad left us for dead. <laughs> that's just Mark's dad. That's just Mark's dad. All okay. right, good. Woo! Oh man, man, I was like nervous. Uh, yeah. But let's uh, let's keep going. That was yeah. that was that was. It was okay. <laughs> it was good. It was, uh, it was okay. I'm gonna tell you this much. I I see the the what you're trying to step into. Mm-hmm. I know the idea of parodies and songs, mm. but I'm already kind of in that business myself. For those reasons, I'm out. Okay, <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> it's a no for me. It's dog. a no for me, dog. Okay. Time at the station. Written by Crowned Heart. A couple of years ago, I was out having a beer with my friends on my terrace. It was a cloudy, drizzly day. We're all talking about our childhood days. It was a good day. I got up to get another beer when suddenly everything blacked out. Next thing I knew, I was suddenly at a train station which looked from the 1800s. I don't even know if trains existed then, but based on the architecture of the station and people's clothing, it felt around that time period. I was standing under a giant clock trying to make of what this place was and what just happened. Then I realized I had a ticket in my hand which said first class reservation from Brussels to Mechelen. I'm from India, and back then I, I still hadn't traveled to Europe. I was very confused as to where I was and why I had that ticket in my hand. I felt a sense of urgency as the train was ready to leave. The clock had struck 2.15 p.m. The departure time had already passed, but the train was still at the platform blowing its old steam horn. The engine looked brand new, but it was a steam engine like the olden days. I was completely baffled by what was happening. At this point, I saw a man staring directly at me. He was wearing a penguin suit, a tall hat, and had a huge mustache. He was looking at me like he knew something had happened. Also, like he knew I wasn't supposed to be there. Just at that moment, everything snapped back. I remember lying down on my terrace with both my friends standing over me, terrified. I was back at my terrace. I asked them what had happened. They told me what they saw. They said while I was walking towards the icebox, I froze stiff and fell on the ground as if I was a statue. I was out for hardly two to three seconds. They saw me falling and came run, calling out my name, and I just came back to my senses. The feeling was very weird because they said I was out for hardly two to three seconds. But what I remembered from my experience at the station, I was at there for at least 10 to 15 minutes, closely watching everything and everyone around me. To this day, I believe I somehow slipped into another reality. And that man who looked at me somehow realized my slippage into another time period and somehow sent me back. Whoa. Well, if you feel that, that's probably actually what the case was. You know, those feelings that you have, those intuitions are there for a reason. So maybe, or maybe you just had like a brain aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you need to go to the doctor. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I was thinking it was like a past life. I thought that too. Yeah, like he, this was a past life. That's why he knew like the sense of urgency. Like, oh, I got to get on the train. Yeah, like yeah. Because he had had that moment yeah. in the past, um, especially since it was in the past. Uh, but that doesn't really explain the guy who saw him and the fact that he feels like that guy sent him back somehow. Well, maybe he was reliving, you know, like, yeah, he was. it was a near-death experience. And in that near-death experience, he relived his past past life instead of his own because uh, they were like, ah, he doesn't want to see what he's doing now. And maybe that was the moment where his past life had Oh, perished. you mean like your your life your life flashes before your eyes. Not this life. Not but. this one, but your other one. <laughs> a past life that you that you had. Yeah, and maybe he was like maybe that was the moment because he said I was late and the train was about to take off. Maybe he tried to jump on the train and then died. Mm-hmm. 
got hit and the guy was like looking at him like, you can't do that. Right. Right. Or maybe he was still wearing his regular clothes, like his yeah. clothes from drinking beers. And the guy was like, what? Whoa, what's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was it. I just want to tell a really quick story about a train. One time I took the train too far north. I got mm-hmm. off and I missed my stop and I took the train really far north to Merced, California. And when we pulled up, it, this was such a small town that people were taking pictures of the train when we pulled up. There was like a bunch of people outside taking pictures of the train like they had never seen a train before. Oh, they, man. <laughs> all had like their flip phones or like a regular camera. Man. And they were taking pictures of the train. It made me laugh so hard. There's just some things that, I mean, because I did that, you know, like I remember taking the field trip from McAllen to Dallas. And I may have said this in another podcast where I was amazed by how big the buildings in Dallas were. And then I look at them like now, like they weren't that big. But like the thing about this was like this train comes here every day. (laughs) So this isn't like this was a one-time trip, but I guess maybe they were picking somebody up. But it was like more than one group of people. It was like every group of people was taking a picture of the train. It wasn't just like one family. It was like everyone who was there was like amazed that there was a train. Like it was like a spaceship. Little did you know the Pope was in one cabin behind you waving outside. (laughs) And Lady Gaga was running the train. And you're like, what's up with this town? Right, yeah. And maybe they were like, uh, they were in their past life. And they're like, whoa. Okay, good. All right, let's keep going. End of day mystery. Submitted by Me and the Boys. When I was a teenager, I worked as a lifeguard in a water park. We had five water slides. They started from one tower and ended at a single pool. You could see the entire park from the top of the slide tower. With the layout of the park, it was a few minutes walk from the slide pool to the top of the slides again. You could even see someone as they walked the entire path from the slide pool up the slide tower again. The last two hours of the day were always really slow on the slides. I would frequently skip my breaks to sit on top and twiddle my thumbs for the remainder of my shift. Anyway, it's about 30 minutes before closing. I'm chilling on the top of the slides. Only two kids, a boy and a girl, were going down the slides and coming back up since there was no line at this point. As I said, it's a long walk. So the boy would come up and go. Then about two minutes later, the girl would come up and go. Two minutes later, the boy again and again and again. Well, the boy comes back up and he goes down slide number two. Slide two is completely enclosed, very fast, under 20 second ride, and has about a 24 inch diameter. I'm bored, so I lean over the rails, watching the bottom, and I never see the boy come out of the slide. A minute later, the girl comes up and says she wants to go down slide two. I tell her to wait a minute. I'm watching for the boy to come out. He never does. After a solid two minutes from me sending him down, I radio the guard at the bottom and ask if the boy came out. The guard says he never did. Then I scan over the entire park. There's maybe 20 people in the park at this time of day. I don't see the boy anywhere. At this point, I'm getting confused. But I chalk it up to the boy coming down, jumping out the side of the pool, and going to the nearby bathroom. After finally concluding that I must be crazy, I send the girl down slide too. Sure enough, 20 seconds later, the girl comes out of the slide and runs off. No issue. A few minutes later, the girl comes back up and goes down slide two again and comes right back out 20 seconds later. I go back to waiting for the next person to come up the slide tower. When all of a sudden, the boy comes out of the bottom of slide two. It has been at least 10 minutes since I sent him down, and the girl had gone through that slide as normal two times in those 10 minutes. To this day, I can't figure out what happened. 
Like I said, slide two is fast, narrow, and fully enclosed. There's no way to stop yourself on the way down. Trust me, I've tried. And even if he did manage to stop himself, there is no way that girl could have passed by him at all, let alone unimpeded in the normal 20 seconds. This boy just disappeared off the face of the earth for 10 minutes and respawned in the middle of slide two like nothing happened. I've gone over it in my head many times. To this day, I have no clue what happened to that boy for 10 minutes. All right. So that seems just kind of like a glitch situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that that kind of like goes with the theory that this is like kind of all simulated, like and there was like a glitch or yeah. maybe. Yeah. Just sounds like a glitch, honestly. Well, you know, obviously the little boys picked up a lot of speed, 88 miles an hour, went into the past for a moment uh, <laughs> and then came right back. Uh, so you're saying it's a glitch. Yeah. It sounds like just like one of those weird things, like glitch, can't explain it. Yeah. Well, you want to know something? What? There's more. You were that boy? <laughs> yes, I was that I boy. was the boy in the slide. I was the boy in the slide. No. <laughs> there are more slide mysteries out oh, there. Oh, man. Okay. Let's keep going. More slide mysteries. By Quirky Pheasant. I worked at an amusement park when I was 18, Dorney Park in Wildwater Kingdom in Pennsylvania. One half was rides and coasters, the other half was a water park. The summer jobs there were a great pool when you were a teenager. Also, a huge number of my friends worked there on summer break from college. The jobs over in the water park were generally considered more desirable, although I was never able to get them because I am a horrible swimmer. Basically, the water park opened later and closed earlier, so the shifts were nicer. And they had to pay you more because you had to be first aid, CPR, and lifeguard certified. The water park had several of those tall tube slides that are about four feet in diameter. To get to the top of one of the huge tube slides, a patron had to walk up seven flights of steps. So, this slide was meant more for teenagers and adults. It had a height requirement. One lifeguard was posted up top, telling people when to go down. One of my friends was a lifeguard at the bottom who helped people off the slide and gave the all clear for the next person to go. A family had come with their child who was very young and apparently barely the height limit to go on the ride, just tall enough. The family was in line with the father first, kid second, mother last, so that someone would be with the kid at both top and bottom of the slide. The father goes down the slide, gets off, and the lifeguard gives the all clear and waits. He can't really see what's going on up top, but finally the next rider comes down. It's the mother who walks over to the father and asks where their son is. There's a moment of confusion. My friend is pulled over by the family. The kid had been the next one to enter the slide up top before his mother, but had never come out the bottom. My friend is confused. He calls up to the top lifeguard, who verifies that the kid went down the slide. Neither my friend nor the father saw the kid come out the bottom. Next thing you know, two parents are arguing. The top lifeguard calls security and reports this as a missing child. My friend calls a supervisor. The supervisor shows up and is apparently afraid the kid is wedged in the tube somehow in such a way that the mother failed to dislodge him coming down the slide. The parents are obviously upset at this point and freaking out. The supervisor has the upper lifeguard go down the ride himself, spread out to make sure that there's no child jammed in the turns of the ride. He comes out the bottom, having not dislodged the corpse of the child. Everyone is more confused than ever. They end up having employees ride both slides down looking for the kid. Both slides are clear. He's just gone. Meanwhile, security called saying that they just turned up a missing kid near one of the coasters. Could they get a description of the child missing? The supervisor sort of dismisses this. There's no way it could have been the same child. 
The coaster they found the kid by was clear across the park, and the child was only missing for a few minutes at this point. Meanwhile, upper management is called in, as the parents of the kid are alternating between yelling and blaming each other, panicking and threatening to sue the park. Upper management calls security and asks them to pull the security camera footage from the top of the slide to try to figure out what happened. When they pulled the footage, one of the security guards says that he is almost positive that's the kid they have in the next room. They get the kid's name. Sure enough, he's in the missing children's room safe and sound. Here's where things get weird. The footage shows the father, kid, and mother entering the slide. It's also timestamped, so they know when the child went down the slide. The incident report for when the kid was found clear across the park, behind the roller coaster steer force, shows he was discovered less than five minutes later. If you've ever noticed, nothing in an amusement park is laid out linearly. There's always fences, bushes, buildings between you and where you want to go. My friend, the security guard, tested this. Even walking at a stiff clip and knowing all the shortcuts, it was a 20-minute walk for him. Furthermore, when you hit the edge of the water park, there were signs that shirts and shoes had to be worn past this point. If you saw anyone, even a kid walking past there without them, you were to detain them. This kid was found barefoot and shirtless in just his swim trunks. The idea that no one across 12 acres would stop this kid who, to travel that far, had to be running and ask him to put on appropriate clothing is completely weird. Weirdest of all was the incident report stated that the child seemed disoriented and was at first not able to respond to any questions. It also stated that the kid, who was in a, a water slide five minutes prior, was bone dry. This was the talk of the park for about a week. Everyone was trying to come up with explanations. Guards searched the other security footage to try to find the kid going across the park. Then the upper management came out and basically hushed it up. Supervisors told that if they heard anyone talking about it, they would be fired. Pretty soon the park moved on to whatever the next drama was and it got swept aside. But yeah, child goes down slide and into time and space portal. All right, and little did they know that he showed up in the future, or 1805, with a train ticket. Oh, no. Taking a picture of a train. Dun, dun, dun. That's why he was dry. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I, my favorite part about this is the parents being like, we're going to sue you for what? For what? <laughs> yeah, for sending my child into like, another dimension. What are you, you going to sue us for? Like, what happened? Like, how can you? <laughs> well, I'm going to sue you. It's like. We what, what are we gonna tell the the judge? Yeah, <laughs> uh, my kid went down the slide. I saw him go down the slide, and he didn't come out the other end. Yeah, well, that's so that all, must be their fault. That's always. Uh, I mean, that's you know, in a hysterical thing. Yeah, you know, there are people that will just say those things. They're like, okay, well, I'm gonna sue you. Like, I, we don't know what happened to your kid. Yeah. Like, and then, <laughs> and then take Wild Water Kingdom to court. Yeah, obviously, something here is beyond what we know. Um, yeah. But then the other thing is, that's why you don't get your slides uh, from graveyards. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Little did they know this was an old haunted slide. No. Ooh. So, yeah. So the kids showed up behind the roller coaster, uh, which, you know, in the employee area. Right, which you can't really get to those areas. Yeah, completely dry, still in his swim trunks. Hmm. Did he go down? The, did he go down the slide after that? <laughs> did the slide did they, have a trap door? Did Bloop. they? Yeah. Did they? Did he try to go down the slide? No. Again? They gave. You know what? They gave him three passes to come. Yeah. Day. Yeah. No. They gave him a the a ticket for a free soda. Yeah. There, like, you okay, there you go. Sorry. Are you thirsty? Free you look pass, thirsty. Free passes. Never. Yeah. Never. Not a place like that. Especially 
no, they wouldn't. Like, here's a free soda. Uh, one time my mom got third degree burns, like blisters. Yeah. Uh, someone at McDonald's, when they were handing her her drink, uh, spilled her their coffee, mm-hmm. her coffee on her. Yeah. And she had burns and had to go to the hospital. And they gave her a free hamburger. That was... <laughs> Oh, that's... What they did yeah. is a hamburger. And it was like, why didn't you sue them? She's like, well, I got a hamburger. <laughs> well, <laughs> like an 89 cent hamburger back that's, then. That's how most people are. But I got a hamburger. It's like, they don't give you nothing. Yeah. They don't care. Uh, they're like, yeah, whatever. You want a different kid? We got these other ones. Yeah. Don't worry. Another kid will get stuck and, and we'll just and, give you that And one. they know how to go down the slide. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, it seems like new fear unlocked. Yes. Going down uh, slide water slides. You didn't, going down a water slide and transporting to... You didn't know this was something paranormal you had to worry about. Well, now you do. Uh, yeah. Don't pick up a demon from water slides. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. All right. We are on to our last story. But before that, let's slide into some announcements. Yes, uh, guys, I apparently have a new album out that you can listen on Spotify. Uh, Love Me at My Worst. It's my HBO special. Comedy, stand-up comedy. Comedy, stand-up comedy. So listen to it after this and uh, help me get some rotation spins so that they think I did really dope and they give me another another album. Yeah, thousands of people listen to this podcast every week. So we need thou- you thousands of uglies to go listen to Nick's to Nick's album and yeah. help him out. Come it just on. came out today. So if you do it today and it's the first like they're like, "Wow, he did really good in this first day." Yeah. Oh man, it'll make me look dope as hell. Listen, we don't we love doing this podcast, but we, you know, we have other passions, okay? Yeah. We want other we want to do other stuff, okay? Oh, so okay. can you help oh, us man, out? I know you're going to defend me like that. Yeah. I'll defend you to the death. Thank you. Also, uh, I will be having a few stand-up shows coming up soon. One in Iowa. Uh, El Paso's on deck. Um, Corpus Christi, I'm working in, on, on the notes for that. So, Oh, in Utah. Ogden. All right. If you live in any of those places, come see Nick. And make sure you go listen to his album after this. Get a little taste of what, what he does. Um, besides that, we'll see you on the Facebook group, the Instagram, and the website. You can join any of those just to see what we're up to. We post a lot of cool stuff. And don't forget after this to give us five stars at some point. But right after this, you need to go listen to Nick's album. Okay? Yeah. You All don't right. even have to listen to it. Just play it. <laughs> okay. Divide. You can just put it on mute. All right. So let's let's get this going so they have time. Okay. So uh, this last story is called Nana's Generation, and it is written by Hairman. Everyone has a generation based on the historical events that define their childhood to adulthood. In Australia, there is one generation known as the Stolen Children. The Stolen Generation were the children of predominantly Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander descent, who were removed from their families by the Australian federal and state government agencies and church missions under acts of their respective parliaments. The removals occurred in the period between approximately 1905 and 1969, although in some places children were still being taken until the 1970s. My Nana, who is an Aboriginal, was removed from her family and relocated to a mission outside Katanning, Western Australia. I'm not 100% sure, but the math indicates this happened to my Nana in the middle 1960s. It's very disrespectful to ask an Aboriginal family member their age, so it's as close as I can get. 
The mission's name was Marybank. It was run by nuns at the time. Now, even though the stolen generation was a federal government initiative, where when the children were removed and relocated to these missions, that's where the government influence stopped and the church was left to manage it. Aboriginal tradition and customs was something that was somewhat respected, but the nuns were very strict, sometimes cruel, and the pursuit of religious studies were very strictly enforced. As such, any activity that was culturally paranormal experienced by the resident aboriginals was overlooked and disregarded by the nuns. Either their being non-aboriginal meant they were not affected or targeted by the aboriginal paranormal, or that their blind religious beliefs meant they additionally ignored anything untoward. Okay, now that's the background. Here is the story as told to me by my black nana and her sister Tilly. Maribank was located near a stream. Occasionally, there were tribe meetings located aside part of the stream that was about 1.5 kilometers from the Maribank mission. On an otherwise normal day, an aboriginal elder who no one recognized emerged from the bush. The elder declared that there was to be a meeting at the stream and for all the aboriginal elders and male children to go to the meeting place immediately. You see, women and female children are not allowed to attend or speak at meetings, so they all remained behind at Maribank. So all the men left. About 15 minutes after, my nana noticed all the wind stopped, and every insect became absolutely silent. Nana ran to the nuns' quarters, but going through every room and searching around, she couldn't find any sign of the nuns, even though there were hot cups of tea and a kettle whistling on the wood stove. Nana returned to Tilly, who was absolutely beside herself. Tilly told Nana that she saw a few things that were very tall and skinny moving through the bush. They were alternating between two and four legs. Tilly wanted to go into the bush like she was drawn to it. Nana noticed that a few other girls had moved to the edge of the bush. A few others had even gone out of sight. She could hear screaming and pleading for people to help them. Even with the screams of terror from just outside the visual range from all different directions, the girls who were near the edge seemed unable to hear it or be scared. It was then that Nana grabbed Tilly, dragged her and a few others that had remained back into the sleeping quarters. It was in the sleeping quarters that Nana started stuffing the girls into cupboards and drawers if they could fit and into large trunks at the edge of the beds. Also, there was a manhole in the floor where you could access the underneath of the bunkhouse, which was used for storage. Nana used, used it often to sleep and escape the cruelty of the nuns. It was under the floor that Nana and about 15 of the remainder of the girls hid and remained very quiet. At the same time that this was happening, the male aboriginal elders and male children were all arriving at the stream gathering. They were awaiting the elder that had emerged from the bush. They were all just wandering around, throwing rocks, and entertaining themselves. Then it got deathly cold. The stream just stopped, like time had slowed down. They all just looked at each other, and the largest feeling of dread fell over everyone. It was also at this time that dozens and dozens of small birds called willy wagtails arrived. The birds landed between all the men and just stayed in place wiggling their tails. The elders realized everything was really wrong. Then they realized the camp was completely unprotected. The women and female children were all alone. They started running for camp. Back at camp, Nana, still hiding with the other girls, heard the sound of footsteps enter the room above. But she knew from her many nights sleeping under the floor that it was not normal. The steps were lighter and quicker than humans. She also concluded from where the steps were being heard that there were more than one of whatever it was in the room. Then Nana heard the shouts of the male elders returning from the stream. She heard a flutter of footsteps and silence, followed by the entry of male elders making a lot of noise. 
After Nana and everyone came out of hiding, it was found that seven girls were missing. Even the best trackers could not follow their trail more than a few feet from the edge of the bush. It was also then that all of the nuns were there also. They swore that they were all in the nuns' quarters just drinking tea, chatting around the kitchen table, and only emerged after hearing the yelling and shouting of the male elders running through the bush back to camp. To this day, Black Nana is very upset by this. She has many superstitions and routines to her every bedtime, regardless of the location. It is already scary enough to be stolen from your family, but the idea of being stolen by the unknown only made that fear worse. All right, wow. So a lot of history in this, and then, of course, like, really scary story. So whatever it was was definitely trying to trick the men to leave, obviously. Uh, It worked because, you know... mm. These guys think they yeah, like a meeting's they, called. Got to go to they, a meeting. Yeah, they think. Oh, the girls can't come because they're they're stupid. And look yeah. what you did, right? No oh, man. I hope you guys realize how dumb. You, now you guys are all looking dumb, huh? Whoa. Um, a little sexism. I don't. I don't like that. Well, you know, yeah. So obviously something paranormal. I mean, do you think it was paranormal? or Do you think it was like someone trying to just kidnap them? I completely to think it was slaves or something like that. I mean, you know, could it be that? Maybe, but it sounds very paranormal. Uh, you know, I don't know Aboriginal uh, beliefs and history, but I think I've seen videos of, of, of kind of some things that they believe. Yeah, this sounds like their version of uh, cryptids and skinwalkers that may be in in uh, in in Australia. Right, and this is kind of like the story before where. Um, it, with Matt's dad, where the it the thing took the form of Matt. Yeah. So to make it like, hey, come here, and then that's kind of what happened here. That this thing took the form of one of their elders or an elder, and was like, hey, come here. You know, it's kind of like the same story. Yeah. But also, like, you can't just trust any old person that looks like you. <laughs> like, this is like, oh yeah, this elder told us to go over there, and it's like, well, did you know this person, or was yeah. he just an old guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did, was, it, was it an elder well, that you knew, or was this just some guy who was the same race as you and old? So this goes back to the idea of cryptids and, and uh, their telepathic abilities, because obviously it was the telepathy that was calling the girls into the bush. Right, because they want, yeah. Yeah, exactly. so we don't know if it was just a hallucination, the, the elder that told him come to the meeting that was enacted by cryptids. We actually don't know, because they never touch these cryptids. Mm-hmm. They just see them. You know, Mm -hmm. so it may be a a telepathic hallucination. Uh, My thing when I read this was I was wondering if, you know, because the truth is, is that aboriginals are very disrespected. Mm -hmm. You know, they they have been mistreated. There's there's a very there's a sadness to their history. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wonder if the nuns, you know, knew it was something was going to happen, maybe said, okay, you guys don't want to follow our, our uh, religion. Well, then we're going to, uh, we're going to not protect you and let whatever this creature is come get you. And then we'll come back and that'll show you, that'll keep you in place. So that's the only thing that, that when I read this story originally, I was like, what involvement did the nuns have? Or was this all just this tribe getting, uh, you know, I didn't really think the nuns had anything to do with it. It seemed like, I mean, they, they did say that they, they disappeared, that they were cruel, but 
it also said that they left their team running and things yeah. like that. That's, that wouldn't have been something they did if they were planning yeah. on leaving. So, so maybe, like, so then now what if the telepathic powers are so strong that, that... They compelled the nuns somewhere? They compelled the nuns somewhere and without them knowing, like, we're not after you, we're after them. And also, or Nana could not see the nuns there. Mm. like maybe there was a you know i'm gonna screw with your your brain so that you actually can't see them they're there but you can't notice them just how the girls couldn't hear the the screams right just to further disorient you yeah so it's all about disorientation that's that's how cryptids you know mostly work they disorient you they get you lost they they confuse you and then they attack Okay. yeah and then like it's i mean i don't know though because it's like they heard them above you know that they heard the walking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so they're that kind of gives me the idea that it's like a, a more like physical like person-y kind of thing but but they I'm, said it was light flutters it mm. wasn't like human steps so you know maybe it was a uh maybe there it was just kidnapping who knows yeah it, it definitely could be some kind of demonic entity or whatever but it's weird that they were just focusing on the abor the aboriginal bleh, people instead of the nuns or you know it, they were targeted. Well, yes and no because you know if if there is already this kind of uh, disrespect for this this culture this race, um, then let's say it is it is a human thing and it was human trafficking. Well, in most hum human trafficking, the, you know predators or whatever go after the people that they feel the government's going to care the least about, right. you know, and that would be right up this alley if it was a human thing where it's right. Like, but that doesn't account for the, the, the being compelled to the yeah, woods, any of that, that paranormal yeah. stuff that they dealt with. So I'm really thinking it wasn't a human thing. I think it was an entity. And I think like, just like the story we heard about Matt, it was probably something that took the form to compel, like we were saying, like how uh, we've had the other stories about, Entities trying to get somebody to kill themselves, stuff like that. It seems like it was trying to uh, manipulate yeah. into danger, which is what we were talking about earlier yep. in the Matt story. And Matt's it got dad. seven of them. Got seven girls. That's so sad. All right. <laughs> with yep. that, you guys, thank you so much for listening to True Scary Stories with Edie. We love you guys. Right now, download Nick's... Uh, stand-up comedy thing love me at my worst the album it's on spotify right yeah it's on spotify and pandora and other things yep venmo paypal cash app it's on all of those <laughs> <laughs> okay so right now right now love me at my worst go listen to it and we will see you guys on sunday be safe wash your hands go listen to love me at my worst